It is all about worshiping Jesus Christ. The point of prophecy is to see how in charge our God is and how righteous and glorious he is. May God get all the glory. Man, we are celebrating Jesus with all we have. We're going after it and excited about it. And uh, we're continuing in the series here. We're in Revelation chapters 4 through 19. And in fact, we're in chapter 19. Now, I can't even believe I'm saying those words. We're on week 12 already. Time flies and we're going after it. So as we get ready to dive in today to Revelation chapter 19, you can turn in your Revelation booklets there to the 12th week. You can go to Revelation 19 verse 1 to get ready, but let's make sure we remember where we are, okay? Chapter 4, the throne room getting lit up, the glory of the Father. Jesus Christ, chapter 5, he ends up picking up the scroll, the thing that will walk us through all the detail from uh, chapter 6 to 19, all that's going to happen, right? And as the scroll gets opened, one seal at a time, right? All seven seals, how many? Right, the thunderous sevens as God works. So the seven seals get opened. He opens up the scroll, looks into it, and we see the seven trumpets and the seven bowls, the wrath of God poured out, showing he's in control in this world. But we also see Satan rising up, and we see the beast trying to take his stand and say, I'm going to try to make a kingdom here on earth. I can do what you do in a lame copycat fashion. And we see God Almighty going head to head with Satan, walking through. We get to chapter 17 and 18, and God's like, it's time to start bringing this thing down. And he actually instills into the beast, into the evil one, to go after and start removing all worship except the worship of himself. By the way, he's beginning to do God's work for him, right? As he starts taking out all idolatrous worship except the worship of himself, he's beginning to knock down sin and idolatry. God putting it in them to go after that. And as the great harlot, the great inviter to any temptation, to any idolatry goes down in chapter 17 and the cities are completely destroyed, chapter 18, we have victory beginning to happen. Can you imagine being the angels, watching all of this sin going on across all of humanity, watching God wronged so horribly, and you're finally beginning to see God take over and win. It's literally like you've been watching this movie and you've been seeing so much wrong going on and you're like, somebody stop these guys. And you get towards the end of the movie and finally somebody starts rising up and starts putting them in their place. And you're like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's where we're picking it up. Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse one. Here we go, all right? Point number one, join with heaven, celebrating our God who brings salvation, glory, and power. Join with heaven celebrating our God who brings salvation and glory and power. We start out in verse 1. It says, After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. And they were saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Right? It says, After this, after what? Well, after all the evil that was going on across the whole of that future seven years still to come, at the back end of that seven years, after Babylon is collapsed, after they're crying out, fallen, 
fallen is Babylon, this great tempter that draws away people to worship anything but Jesus after she's destroyed. After this, it says, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. This is a massive collection, probably of all of those that are saved in the heavens, maybe even the angels partnering in. It doesn't say, it just says a loud, a loud voice and they're celebrating and they're crying out with a huge passion. It says, they say, hallelujah. Just so you know, in the original language, that word means hallel means praise and yah means Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. Yah, that's what it is. Praise God Almighty. Praise the one who can be known personally. Hallelujah, they cry out. Praise Yahweh. And then they cry, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. They're like, you are changing lives, salvation. You are bringing us out of sin and glory and power, and you are standing against sin. And you are making it happen. You're in charge. God and God alone deserves this praise. Salvation and glory and power. And those belong to you. Hallelujah. As they begin to see a little bit of the destruction and God beginning to get his rightful moment in charge. Rightful moment being worshiped. They cry out, hallelujah. Finally, may God get all the glory. Everybody just say hallelujah with all you got. Ready? Hallelujah. hallelujah. Louder and bigger. Hallelujah. Can you imagine hundreds of millions as they're watching sin come to a close and the heavens rumble with the words, hallelujah. You're getting what you deserve, God. It says, for his judgments are tr just and true. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. This is the great harlot inviting to any worship other than Jesus, right? And like, praise God, that's coming to a close. She's corrupted the earth and you've brought her to an end. You actually stirred the beast and the 10 horns to bring her down. Everybody say, God in charge. And don't miss it. God is so over it and in charge of it. God has it in hand. It says, and you have avenged on her the blood of his servants. The blood of his servants. Like you have seen that those who stood for Jesus Christ are now giving up their lives. Remember John writing the book of Revelation. He stood for Jesus Christ, the testimony of Jesus and the word of God. He was put on an island in Patmos. He was put into a little bit of a kind of separation time, an exile, right? But when we see in the end, in the last seven years, taking a stand for Jesus, for those who are there, for those who are believing in him and trusting him, literally it says that they will maybe have to give their lives, bloodshed, martyrdom going as they take a stand for the king of the universe and God now standing up and avenging. If you remember back into the seals, there were the first four seals that rode in like horses. And the fifth seal was the martyrs saying, how long, oh God, how long? Now you're beginning to see the when. This is when it's starting to come to a close. You're avenging finally, Lord, for those 
who have been having to lose their lives for you. You are bringing in the vengeance on the bad guys. And the whole heavens is saying, yes, this is what we're talking about. Finally, God taking a stand. It says, once more they cried out, hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. For how long? That's a long time, man. You know? They're like, I can see it. This is it. This is the end of all of that. It is done forever and ever, permanently over. It says, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who is seated on the throne saying, amen and hallelujah. Man, as you're getting this rally together, as we're seeing it come to a close at the final seven years, as the great harlot goes down, the one world religion being torn up, the beast actually the one doing it, and then the one world economy being torn up by God as that final bowl is poured out and the massive earthquake and the hundred pound hailstones, remember all that? Destroying the great harlot, all those great cities as that brings it to a close. There is this massive cry, yes, finally, hallelujah. You deserve it, God. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures thunder it, amen as it echoes across the heavens. The word amen just means so be it. Like this is what we're talking about. Yes, this, amen, and hallelujah. Praise your name, Yahweh, as they fell down and worshiped him. And we've seen the 24 elders and the four living creatures falling down and worshiping quite a lot, right? Throughout the book of Revelation, you see him celebrating in multiple spots and declaring it out, falling down in worship and praising God with all they've got, creating an atmosphere where God is getting everything he deserves. Hey, in the midst of seeing God at work, our job is to be able to stop and celebrate. Our job is to be able to see what God is doing put a smile on our faces and say, thank you, Lord, for who you are. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, and that's our job, man. And I'm just telling you last week when we went through baptisms, just a huge celebration time. We had 44 get baptized last week all day long. Praise God for that, right? <laughs> Amen. And uh, 44 getting baptized all day long and great testimonies throughout the day. And we heard people who had come to Christ in the last couple of weeks and people who had come to Christ in the last couple of months, people who had come to Christ in the last couple of decades. And they're saying, look, I'm standing for Christ. I want to make it clear. I'm with him. So awesome to hear how God is at work. Some alone with God's word as they're rocked. Some because a friend reached out and said, you matter. You matter a ton, and I'm just sharing this with you. I know a God who is awesome. And some hearing the message preached or in whatever way sung and just stirred beyond measure. Man, I love seeing these testimonies just all day long, sweet time, putting a smile on our face as we celebrate God is at work. Man, here's my request. When you walk through days like that, make sure you don't walk out and just go, well, that was nice. Like literally take a moment to camp on, look what God is doing. 
Amen, man. He's at work in this world. He is saving one soul at a time. He is rocking people's lives. May he get all the glory. May we celebrate the God who is so in charge. And as you walk out, these are great moments to be able to spend a little bit of time even with your family saying, do you see how God's stirring in families? What did you take away from this? What's one thing that rocked you, man? Just awesome moments to take advantage of those days. More than that, though, don't just wait for baptisms to celebrate our God. Each and every day of your life. So what's God doing? Where is God working? How is God stirring in your life and showing you the reality of who he is? Take a moment and just say, Lord God, I see you. Lord, I know who you are and I'm rocked by you. And just take a moment to just make a real time with your king. Lord God, I am stunned with who you are. Thank you for how you're working in my children's lives. Lord, for how you've worked in my life. Lord, for how you're working in our marriage. Lord, for how you're working in all of us. Lord, thank you for how you're shaping my coworkers right now and responding to you. Lord, I see you and I praise your name. Hallelujah. God is at work. And I'm just asking you, take a real moment. Where is God at work in your life? Where do you see him moving? Just take a real moment, really come up with it. If you're like, I'm not seeing it, then this simple prayer, Lord God, open my eyes that I might see. Lord, soften my heart. One of the testimonies last week in the baptisms loved it as he got home one night and he just said, Lord, soften my heart. And he said, man, the next three weeks I was completely wrecked as God just softened me and opened me up to who he is and what he's doing. Lord, show me who you are. Soften me. I'm ready to celebrate you. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Point number two. Look forward with worshipful expectation to the marriage feast of the Lamb when our union with Christ will be complete. Look forward with worshipful expectation to the marriage feast of the Lamb when our union with Christ will be complete. The church is the bride. The marriage is when the bride gets married to the groom in this massive celebration and the feast of celebration after it. It says here in verse 5, And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. We're not exactly sure what this voice is, who this voice is, but thundering it from the throne. And notice it says, our God. Probably a created being in the midst and just saying, Join with us. Let's do this together. Praise our God. You who fear him, small and great, from the littlest to the greatest, there is nobody so big that they don't need God Almighty. And all of God's people said, huge deal, man. May we lean on him. Our unity is found in Jesus Christ. May we have a pure worship of the king. 
He says, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, this massive thundering voice that comes out saying, Alleluia, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Again, notice it says, the Lord our God. Everybody say, our God. So this thunderous voice is a celebration worship voice from the created beings in some way, whoever they might be. Maybe it's all of the saved, all of the angels just thundering it forth, booming it out. It says, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the almighty reigns. Everybody just say, he reigns. And he is over it all. He is over every single thing in all of the universe. And God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. We've been walking through a little bit of his plan in the final seven years, and this is now some of the worship that is going to take place after it. It says after that, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come. Like literally he's saying, let me announce this to you. The marriage of the lamb has come. The wedding has taken place. The wedding has happened. There is now the bride and the groom brought together. That's the declaration happening here. This is the wedding. They're now brought together the unity that has been so waited for. The destruction that sin brought has now been restored. We have the church together with Christ in this massive celebration of that going on. Man, our God loves to celebrate. Have you noticed that? If you get used to reading in the Old Testament a little bit, you're going to find out that God's like, stop, take a moment, rest, celebrate. Like over and over, stop, take a moment, rest, celebrate. Like take a lot of inventory and celebrate along the way. He's like, this is the best wedding celebration that could ever come down. We read it and we're like, eh, there's a wedding. Dude, this is a thunderous statement of the fulfillment of all that Christ has done at the cross, now being brought home in this massive wedding celebration. Our God loves to celebrate the wedding, and I can't imagine, he's going to be going after celebrating anniversary after anniversary after anniversary of it. There is going to be a massive joy in heaven forever. Our God loves to celebrate that, and you know, we love to celebrate, right? We pick up on our weddings or whatever. So it's a wedding and the anniversaries that come after and we celebrate one after another after another of those. In fact, um, today, literally today, is our 29th wedding anniversary. Yeah, amen. Praise God for that. You have no idea how hard it was to organize the preaching calendar so that this lined up exactly. No. <laughs> Didn't do that. Actually, as it lined up, I was like, wow, look how that lined up. That's amazing. And uh, praise God for it. But uh, 29 years and uh, praise God for the marriage that we have. We're excited about it, still growing together in it. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, man, this is a marriage that doesn't have that statement of growth and having to set down sin. We will continue to learn more about Christ all the more forever blown away in heaven and never setting down any more sin, all behind us. 
And all of God's people said, dude, that is going to be awesome. There's never a moment where you're going to need to say, sorry. Do you get that? In heaven, there will never be a moment where you're like, sorry, shouldn't have said that to you. I, that was me just going too far with the, no more. There's just always going to be getting along well, understanding it, no selfishness in it, God getting all the glory, partnership in unity, complete celebration, truly a joy along the way. This marriage together of the church and Christ. And then it says, and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted her, everybody say God in charge, right? It was granted her like God giving it across, to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Hear me, man. God takes us with our filthy rags, throws them out, cleanses and purifies. Christ's work at the cross ends up delivering into our hearts a changed soul. And the righteousness that spills out of us, please hear me, that is not us, right? Like to try to say, I'm going to try to be good enough to earn salvation. Everybody say, that's a bad plan. Dude, scripture's super clear. We do not earn our salvation in good enough in the measures. The works that spill out of us in worshiping Christ, the righteousness that pours out, that's him doing a work in us, the granting to us. It's him changing our soul. It's him shaping us from the inside. It's us learning to set down sin and selfishness and take a step towards him. And some of that gets to be clothed on. We are clothed with the righteousness of Christ at work in us. That's what we're clothed with. And this is an amazing moment as it talks about the bride being able to get ready. And this is so a huge part of the wedding day, right? So ladies, for those who have been married, for those who have kids who have been married, whatever it might be, right? You picture this moment of the wedding. For those who have been in a wedding and you're a part of the bridal party, there's this moment where the husband and wife are gonna see each other for the very first time, right? This is an awesome moment. This is the moment before that. This is the moment where there's a getting prepared. This is the moment where the father is with the bride. And there's this moment of you look stunning. This is awesome. That's what's going on right now. This is the father with the bride going, yes. Look at how gorgeous you look. Man, I'm telling you, this is a huge part of the wedding day, speaking as a dad, who has two daughters who have gotten married and being able to spend that quick moment right before the wedding starts where you're getting that first vision of being able to see your daughter dressed gloriously, looking stunning and being able to get ready to celebrate that they're going to become one with someone else. May God get all the glory. In fact, I didn't want to stand up here and not show pics, so let's show pics. <laughs> so this on the left is me with my daughter Megan, and on the right, me with my daughter Alyssa. As you just get to take in that moment where you are stunned, looking at them, and it just brings a smile or even tears to your face. Man, I'm telling you, this is God the Father with us, as he is literally going, yes, this is what I'm talking about, this 
is what we're going to be celebrating. God the Father celebrating us clothed in the righteousness he prepared. And God getting all the glory. And all of God's people said, may we truly lift him up. Can you believe I was able to get an anniversary in here today, plus pictures of my daughters getting married? <laughs> uh, you got to love it. Uh, it says, and the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I just want to make this really clear. The word invited there is actually the word called. So invited may even be a little understated. It says, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there's some discussion about who is being invited here, but I think when you know it's the word called, it kind of answers it out. This is actually talking about blessed are those who are brought across saved. Blessed are those who have the privilege of seeing who Jesus Christ is, embracing him as God Almighty and saying, you are my king. Blessed are the ones who are called. They get the privilege of tasting, of seeing the Father with tears and smiles going, yes, this is what I'm talking about. And being able to be connected to Christ forever. This is a huge deal. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, the feast of the Lamb, right? This marriage feast is a great celebration. And just so we understand a little bit about this, and we're going to talk a lot more about this on Wednesday night at the class that we're doing, kind of an extension, but a little bit of it here, just so you know. So in Jewish culture, there starts out, the marriage starts out when the father goes, that will be your bride, right? And all of God's parents say, that was a weak amen. And all of God's parents say, yeah, right, wouldn't it be nice? You're like, that's who you're marrying, just so you know, right? I'm making the choice for you. I know what I'm doing. That's who you're, right? And so the choice of the bride goes on, this great celebration moment. But this, this next step that takes place is then there's the agreeing together. And they agree together, they're locked in. And then there's this betrothal period is what it's called the betrothal period. In fact, that's the period that Mary and Joseph were in, right? You've taken the vows, but you're not yet together. Not together physically, you're not living together, there's no intimacy, but you are committed. It's like our engaged, but on steroids, right? Like you're engaged, but dude, if you wanna break it, you actually have to get divorced. Like it's that far along the path, like betrothal, majorly committed, right? And so there's the committed, betrothed, then comes the moment of taking the vows together, married, okay? That's the marriage we just saw declared out, married. The next step that happens, think about what happens in ours, right after the wedding comes the, the reception. That's not Jewish. Right after the wedding comes, hang on, they take some time apart together. There's the oneness time apart. And that, that honeymoon stage, if you will, that time alone together, they celebrate the oneness, the intimacy, peace together. The feast comes after that as they come together now, fully married, fully celebrating all that they are, full oneness, been intimate with each, all of it together. Then comes the feast. That's the celebration at the end. That's what he's talking about. After all of it has happened, after we've been betrothed, that's life here on earth 
and we're waiting for Christ to return. After we end up married in heaven, after we end up with a time of oneness with Christ that's going to blow us away, then there's a rallying together and a feast. Blessed is the one who's been invited through that process. Blessed is the one who has the privilege of being blown away by him. That's what's being said. Glorious, perfect, restored, transformed. May God get all the glory. The saved ones are celebrating. Truly, may we lift him up. It says, and he said to me, these are the true words of God. Now, you've got to picture this from John's viewpoint. John has sat here, and he's heard the angels, and he's seen the visions. And he's watched the horror of sin, and he's watched the destructiveness, and he's watched the wrath of God poured out, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls. He's watched the beast rise up. He's watched the evil go on. He's watched the great harlot collapse down. He's watched horror and hatred and biting and nasty. Then all of a sudden, he sees the glorious celebration and the wedding moment and the clear clarity of the beautiful father-daughter moment as the bride is brought across, stunning, this pure celebration of worship. And he says, these are the true words. And it has rocked John where we're all headed. And he is stunned with the greatness of what he's just heard. It says, then I fell down at his feet to worship him, the angel. Everybody say, that is a terrible idea. <laughs> right? I don't think we're grasping how unbelievably glorious these angels are. John knows exactly what he's doing. And yet... He is drawn to, you are so huge, and your truth is so amazing, and your perfection is so stunning. Boom. He falls down to worship the angel. Uh, that is a terrible idea. And so the angel says, you must not do that. I love that moment. I can't even imagine. Wait, wait dude, you must not do that. Stand up. What are you doing? Right? Like, I am not calling for that. Do not do, you must not do that. He says, I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. No, no, worship God. And all of God's people said, one being gets worshiped, God Almighty. Right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one, the God who we can barely comprehend the God who pours in love, the God who changes us across the centuries, that God. The God who is so worth crying hallelujah out to worship that God. Don't worship the messenger who brought the message. It's a great message. Don't worship that guy. Don't celebrate the FedEx guy too much. Love you, Mike. <laughs> too much, right? Be happy. But that's the FedEx guy delivering it. Who sent the gift, right? May God get all the glory, right? This is a huge deal. He says, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you. Dude, I'm just a created being. All awe goes to our king. May God get all the glory. He says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He's like, listen to you, listen to me. I've just been telling you 
all of this prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is that you'll see the greatness of Jesus. The point behind prophecy is that you're in awe of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everybody just say it's all about Jesus. The whole point to prophecy is worship. For worship, not for worry. Everybody say it big, say it with me. For worship, not for worry. Louder and bigger. For worship, not for worry. It is all about worshiping Jesus Christ. The point of prophecy is to see how in charge our God is and how righteous and glorious he is. May God get all the glory. Our job is to cry out, praise your name. Hallelujah. May you get all the glory. Hallelujah. You are so stunning. Thank you, Lord, for walking us through this sin-broken world and taking us home to glory where we will be connected with you forever. Blessed is the one who is called to the marriage feast. Hallelujah. And everybody just say hallelujah with me real big. Hallelujah. Louder and bigger. Hallelujah. Think of the greatest thing your God is and cry it with all you've got. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Hallelujah. That's our job. This side of heaven, God, through the sin-soaked mess that I'm in, hallelujah. God, in the midst of my heartache, hallelujah. God, in the midst of seeing you at work, hallelujah. God, I cannot wait to get home to glory, hallelujah. God, I cannot wait to see you. Sin gone, pain done, you're in charge, hallelujah. And all of God's people said, that's the beginning of Revelation 19. And it just keeps getting bigger from there. Cannot wait to get after it next week with you. May God truly get all the praise. Let's pray. 